Thank you, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Rowdy Buddhist. I really appreciate everyone's support uh, with the podcast that I've been making. I've been um, actually working on our first book that will come out concerning the practice of Chikan meditation based on the Nichiren Buddhist tradition, um, as well as uh, it incorporates health and wellness practices. So today I wanted to actually talk about a different aspect of what I practice, and I'll explain why. So right now I'm actually in kind of a retreat uh, where I am uh, being able to concentrate and focus on finishing this uh, book, as well as a lot of other projects. One of the important aspects um, that I've found in my practice, and, and everyone may be aware of the practice that we have called Hokei Shugen, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. Hoke, of course, is a is the Lotus Sutra, and it, Shugen is a kind of austere practice based on the Lotus Sutra. But I wanted to talk a little bit more about this aspect, and I'll explain why. Because actually, where I'm staying for the um, my uh, kind of retreat is right next to the ocean, and one of the interesting things uh, that I've experienced is that as I study this kind of you know uh, experiential understanding of Buddhism through nature through practice through mind-body uh, rather than you know just intellectual pursuits which is how most people uh, nowadays have are limited in their understanding of Buddhism uh, you know connecting with nature what nature allows us to understand and teach and then also to of course in a way balance that with our understanding of Buddhism and express it actually which allows us I believe to go deeper into the uh, see the basic premises of our practice of Buddhism and of course as we see in Buddhism the Buddha was very much um, connected to nature I mean obviously our belief our practice Study started under a Bodhi tree, right? With the Buddha meditating. Um, and when I was here, actually, it's interesting being able to see the ocean. It's very calming and very, um, sometimes very powerful, very, um, uh, such a wonderful teaching in that it allows us to, to be able to see uh, a lot of the attributes of, of perhaps with our personality. And, and teaches us some ways that we can be able to, um, how would it say, understand or endure or to express ourselves uh, in our lives. And so actually the interesting part is that the ocean, of course, one of the practices that we have is uh, purification through water. And of course right now the ocean is very cold. Uh, also it's very strong. But I felt very connected that this morning uh, I went up and by myself went down to the the beach and, and did some practice exercises that we do before we enter into the water. And I entered into the ocean and and it was interesting because alongside of me I saw sea lions. And they were popping their heads up and looking and seeing what I was doing. And having this connection was 
extremely important. And basically because it's interesting because of perhaps the way I grew up in the decade that I grew up in the decade of late 70s, early 80s, that everything was focused on comfort. As we can see, our, our culture had, of course, come out with so many creature comforts. Uh, I was around for the first computers, you know, the first VCRs, first uh, DVD players, um, cordless telephones, everything. Um, during that time period, it was just an amazing time to grow up. But also one of the things it did, and we can see, of course, the massive effects now, is that it really separated uh, children from nature. Now, I was lucky enough to have a lot of nature around me, and I played with nature because I didn't really have uh, anything else to do but play in nature. Um, however, there's always a point, and I think it's within all beings, we also have this kind of fear of nature. And I believe this is, of course, uh, you know, a part of the Western concept of nature, especially in some of the uh, other traditions that we have in here in the West where nature is considered as unruly and possibly evil, darkness, etc. And so we kind of, I would say, as a modern person, um, have an aversion to nature. And yet we want to enjoy nature. We want to be able to, as they say, smell the roses, um, be able to connect with nature. People go hiking, especially being out here in the Northwest. I mean, nature is a big part of things. So people here are a little more connected than where I grew up. Um, if you went hiking or were walking on the street, people would look at you strange because you didn't have a car. Uh, why would you do that? That was the kind of mentality. Um, so it's it's really fascinating that in a way going down to the ocean uh, is always in, in overcoming myself because that self that we have that ego is what craves comfort craves control and also likes to be within its own confines of its belief system so a lot of times we may have this internal struggle um, in connecting with nature because of the unknown, because of what we perceive it to be. Uh, if I look at the water, oh, the water may be cold, it may be dangerous, it may be, uh, people may see me, people may judge me. Uh, those kinds of things always come into your mind. But it's interesting that since I've been practicing, and, and the reason why, just to go back, the reason why I've, I've started to implement and try to examine and study this part and, and incorporate this into my practice is that, you know, Buddhism in its modern sense is almost like a TV show where people are just passive participants watching um, some event go on, of course, uh, sometimes in the form of a ceremony. Of course, people are able to read a lot. Um, and practice is, is available, but I, I think... You know, doing a group practice or even as most Buddhism is contained in a building, right? So I remember going to retreats in beautiful places as a Buddhist priest to run a retreat. And very rarely would people go outside. They would actually spend most of the time inside. So I might have went to Texas or somewhere else where it would have been very interesting to, to understand the environment, to understand um 
learn something from nature, from the land, uh, of course, in conjunction with my Buddhist practice. But no one ever went out because all we did was engage in talking about Buddhism. And again, sitting and doing practice there is, of course, amongst comfortable conditions, which is uh, what people think about retreats, right? To go on a comfortable retreat, to, to feel good, to um, feel relaxed, to feel calm, etc. However, I feel that this is a modern kind of creation that with the modern society, it actually, in many ways, I believe, feels empty of any substance. You know, it's, it's, it's an ideology that people believe and study that life is to be pain-free, uh, comfortable at all times, and of course, uh, you know, allow people to have all of the comforts at their fingertips. This, of course, is in the guise of convenience. Uh, all things are at your fingertips. But I believe that this this makes us lazy. And, and of course, um, this is the fertile ground for the ego to, to continue its destructive mission of misdirecting ourselves and, and, and misbelieving in ourselves. Because, again, one of the biggest issues within Buddhism is people who have believed that they have achieved what they have not. Um, and Buddhism, for me, one of the things that I'm trying to, uh, both in my own practice, understand and study, and hopefully uh, be of benefit to others, is the experiential nature of Buddhism. And if we look at this word, shugen, I want to look at the second character, which means uh, it can be pronounced ken or gen. And it means trial. And and to break it down a little more, the, the kanji means like a verification, an effort, and testing. Um, if you put that into the idea of Buddhism, that is what most of us want to do. But then again, there are probably many Buddhists who don't want to do that because um, I've been told many times that uh, if I try to allow people to have a different experience of Buddhism, uh, they are not interested because they want Buddhism simple, clean, as I said, um, convenient, comfortable, efficient, pain-free, uh, without any <laughs> personal challenge. And again, um, they want to maintain the status quo of whatever they wish to, per, you know, uh, whatever they use using Buddhism. And again, I believe they're using Buddhism for, again, just uh, establishing their ego or whatever they wish to accomplish in their life based on a, a very faulty premise of what they believe. Um, and one of the things that I tell people all the, uh, the, all the time about the mountain is that you can believe lots of things you can believe you understand buddhism in a uh, philosophical sense um, or even you may think that you understand and know how to incorporate it in your daily life and you may think that you're a good buddhist practitioner but actually in the mountains um, and in this gen or uh, kind of verification effort or testing training uh, it is not so useful uh, philosophy is not useful because philosophy cannot uh, feed you. Uh, philosophy cannot uh, save others, right? 
cannot keep you from the cold, etc. Uh, you have to have those endurance, those understanding, the, that awareness um, in reality uh, to be able to really deeply manifest it. That's also in Buddhism, they use the idea of the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is just simply understanding or memorizing information, but wisdom is the actual practical application of that information, which in many times I believe people are unable to do in Buddhism. They accept the basic premise of Buddhism. Buddhism is great. Buddhism is good. The idea, I understand the ideas of um, the Eightfold Path, the Six Paramitas, etc. But to actually implement them, uh, to induce change because again um, in order to induce change one of the ways that we can do is by how do you say very dramatically changing our philosophy and that philosophy has to be done through a kind of dramatic experience um, not in the convenient uh, comfortable pain-free way always a lot of times in our life, the, those those times are issues when we really see what we understand, what we know, what the value of Buddhism is, is in the toughest moments. And so they use this idea of gen or ken as gaining testimony, they call it. And the testimony, of course, um, is one's personal understanding and verification of, of something. So in the practice of Shugen, Hoke Shugen, we use the teachings, the education from the Buddha in the Lotus Sutra and through our founder Nichiren and Shonen. And we take them into the mountains um, by, first of all, leaving ourselves, our egos behind and not measuring existence based on that, but simply relying for a time being on the teachings themselves. This is the example of pure faith. And by doing that, we can experientially understand through every moment, through every step, through every breath of our life on the path, and actually the literal path, um, to cultivate teachings and generate this idea of personal testimony. And to understand that the personal testimony of ancestors so the mountains are very connected with ancestors, and that means the ancestors of the land, of the people, of the earth, the sky, the wind, everything. Those are ancestors in the bigger sense, not just your family line. But in those mountains lie their testimony as well. And by training and entering deep into the mountains, we are understand to practice to see the limit of one's mind and body. And we're able to gain, as we say, patience, true patience, um, endurance, the six paramitas, as we can see, meditation, right? Um, generosity, right? All of those things are necessary in the mountains. But in your daily life, you can, if you, especially in, in society where people are indifferent and they don't really need each other, we can be these kind of independent units and think that uh, we can solely exist without other people, therefore denying the concept of interdependence. Um, this kind of fantasy that people live on until actually something happens in their life and they realize that it's all an illusion. Um, 
Buddhism and the wonderful founders of and, and teachers of Buddhism, and even such as Enno Gyoja, which is seen as one of the great teachers of Shugen um, austere training, was this idea of developing Buddhist practice um, with the concept of animism, ancestor, um, and that it was open to all people, all practitioners, the four great practitioners, the monks, the nuns, the laymen, and the laywomen. And that when we're in the mountains, see, there is the concept in Buddhism, I have a podcast on it called the Bodhicitta, and that means the aspiration to aspire to the Buddha's uh, mind, the Buddha's precepts, the Buddha's path. And there has to be a very dramatic awakening, um, a verification of what is true and what is not for you to really wake up that mind of bodhicitta. And that means to aspire properly. That means in your life, what do you balance or what do you um, hold dear? What is, as I said many times, Buddhism is a... Um, of priority change in which we prioritize the Dharma, the Lotus Sutra, uphold it as it says in the Sutra above all things. And then therefore we balance and look at all things through the teachings of the Buddha. But I don't believe most people do that. They always use the Lotus Sutra, again, I think as a way of feeling pain-free momentarily or feeling comfortable uh, or actually the convenience of saying that there are Buddhist practitioners, but actually they haven't developed this bodhicitta mind. And one of the easiest ways, especially in the modern sense, where people are so much in their minds that very little have understood their bodies, that we can experience through our bodies, uh, which is the most basic of our natures. And therefore, um, we can see, we can become awakened to how modern society is just empty of substance. However, um, that doesn't mean that we forsake modern society and go off and decide to become ascetics. What it allows us to do is that when we see um, the emptiness of the substance, emptiness of the nature of modern society, we can bring some substance to it. That is, of course, our practice and faith of the Lotus Sutra and the Odaimoku to people and be able to also allow them to participate and awaken uh, in this life experience, which Buddhism, as Komodo Sensei said many times to me, Buddhism is about life. Buddhism is about living. But most people uh, approach Buddhism by death. Um, it's become very much a death religion for some people, as we can see, where most people in Japan associate Buddhism with death rather than life. Um, and I believe that this is because um, even Buddhism uh, and the Buddhist teachers and practitioners have fallen to this um, trap of this uh, ideology of modern society, of again, of comfort of convenience, of pain-free living. But the first thing that we realize in the Four Noble Truths is that, uh, the unsatisfactoriness of life. And, and basically, people say the suffering of life, but the unsatisfactoriness of life. To see 
what brings satisfaction and what doesn't bring lasting satisfaction. That's what the Buddha wanted us to look at. And when we go and we do this again training, when we verify and test the teachings of Buddhism within a um, pure uh, natural surrounding, it allows us to us and not through something or someone else to have a direct uh, understanding, a direct uh, realization, verification through our body and mind, and therefore really developing bodhicitta um, or the aspiration for enlightenment because it takes just one time for people to realize that everything that they have considered to be real is empty of substance when it comes down to the reality of life and that's what the buddha wanted us to do not to scare us of course not to uh, make ourselves uh, strong or challenge or um, uh, or in how do you say it? like um, unbreakable or any of that that's not what this is about that's why i tell people um, when i take people into the mountains there are people who are great hikers mountain climbers etc and they're used to practice well to living in that way and they believe that that's the awakening the experiential practice of gen but it's not because gen is a very focus so just going into the mountains um, will offer you some insight um, but again a structured spiritual way that is um, done through the the teachings of the Dharma so it's in kind of fusing the teachings of Buddhism uh, with these uh, ancestral natural uh, animism as animistic practices and it's really phenomenal because if you look at our founders both Shakyamuni well he attains enlightenment under the Bodhi tree and of course our spiritual home at Mount Minobu uh, which was a Shugen mountain which is pretty phenomenal. And why did Nichiren and Shonen wish to go to such a remote place? And why is Minobu at this time still a very natural place? Whereas you look at most um, spiritual founders, uh, all of them are pretty much uh, tourist attractions. And uh, but Nichiren and Shonen in the Mount Minobu is very uh, fascinating because if you look at Nichiren and Shonen's life. His life was one of Gen trial, which in which he understood and verified and tested the teachings of the Lotus Sutra through the use of his body and mind. Um, this is the lineage, the example that we have from our um, teachers and founders. So I just wanted to share this with everyone. So again. If you're interested or have any questions concerning this, please always feel con uh, feel free to contact me. And again, try to, in your daily life, find a way to, in a way, pr practice this again. Again, through a formalized teacher, it's much more efficient. Um, but it can just start with going into nature, bathing in nature. And then when we do a trial it's very important though uh, this is one important aspect is that buddhism is meant to be done with others uh, not necessarily by yourself 
So uh, it's not necessarily strength strengthening yourself that you can go into the mountains by yourself and sit in meditation, etc. That's not what I'm advocating. But together with others, um, walk the path of the Buddha in a, uh, how do you say, in a realistic uh, manner that you can have a pure experiential understanding. So thank you very much again for listening and supporting this con uh, podcast. Namu myoho renge kyo.